Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. We're back this week finishing the second book of the City of Ember trilogy, The People of Sparks. And I'm really excited to discuss this one and hear what Charles thinks. Yeah, I feel much the same as you do. I want to hear your thoughts on it. And as we tell you every single week, we are a book club podcast with the Nerd Party Network. And we read and reread YA books from our adolescence. I suggested the series to go in our unit on dystopian books, which we're almost done with. And we've definitely entered a portion that I never read. So it's kind of like we're both exploring it for the first time, which is fun. But since I suggested the series, Asia gets to give summaries of the reading. Yep. So we start with Lima Bean and Maddie leave Casper and come back to Sparks. And in Sparks, tensions have developed further, and the Sparks people are going to throw the Emberites out early. This leads to a mob and the Sparks people using their weapon, but Lima Bean and Dune help the Sparks people put out the fires, and then all of the Emberites join. So the whole society eventually does become unified, and they all end up becoming members of Sparks, and it's pretty much a big happy ending. So that was a very quick summary, but... For my impression of the reading, I definitely enjoyed it. Like I said, I feel this book is, it was a page turner for sure, especially with all the tensions rising and not sure if it's going to turn into a bloodbath, like what was going to happen. But I can just tell I'm definitely getting a little like fatigued with all this dystopian literature. Like it's just a lot. I mean, with especially with everything going on right now with COVID, it's just a lot to be thinking about the end of the world constantly. So I know I'm definitely looking forward to us just being done with these kind of books. But other than that, I did enjoy it and I thought it was well done and I was happy that they were able to come to a peaceful conclusion at the end. Yeah, I agree. It was a page turner. And I agree with you with what you said about it's kind of the reading the dystopian books, especially the post-apocalyptic one. It's, it's a little exhausting. I will say that I'm really happy that we got a happy ending in this one, because if you remember the end of People of City of Ember, the ending was happy, but it wasn't like happy, happy, because you didn't know if everyone was coming with them and you didn't know what the future was going to be like for them, but, like, you were proud of Lina and Dune. But it wasn't, like, you know, everything works out, basically, at the end of this book. And I kind of needed that because, like you said, there's so much, like, heaviness to the book. And at the same time, we still haven't gotten, like, it's not like Torin got, you know, everything he wanted at the end. And I was like, good, because I hate when, like, everything goes perfectly. I mean, Torin gets, like, most of what he wants, but... I don't know. It's it's definitely like to me, like, I mean, I am curious to see what the third book is going to be about, because it did kind of seem like that could have been the end of the series with how it ended. Like it was it was more of an it was less of it was less of a cliffhanger than the first book was for sure. Like there's still questions like which we'll talk to, I guess, at the end of the episode when we get there. But it did just feel like it was much more like to me, like I didn't really need to keep reading after this. For sure. 
Yeah, well, we will see when we get to the next book. So let's get into this one. So we start with Lina and Maddie, and I really like that, like, right off the bat, Maddie calls Casper a fool. And she's like, don't worry, Lina, I'll protect you from him and this whole experience. Yeah, even Maddie just pretty much admitted that she used Casper as a way to escape her withering village. And she actually wanted to stay in Sparks, but she still went with Casper to the city because she had promised him that she would. And she said that she likes to keep her promises, which I think is a good a good representation of her character because even though she did kind of use him to escape her situation, she was still willing to hold up like her end of the bargain for him getting her out. But then on their journey, Casper won't spare. They meet this like grimy, like hungry man, another roamer, but who's, he doesn't have any more traveler's cakes. And he asks them if they have any to spare and Casper like totally is like, absolutely not. We don't have anything for you. And is really, really rude, honestly, to the man. Like, even if they didn't have food to spare, like, he just didn't approach it in the correct way, like, at all. And so they, like, go separate ways. And when they camp out for the night, this man returns and he ends up stealing food from them. And he leaves, like, a pile of dirt inside their chest of food. And in the morning, Maddie kind of, like, yells at Casper, you know, that if he didn't always approach people like enemies, maybe they wouldn't have made an enemy so quickly out of that man, which I definitely agree with. Like, that idea of just assuming someone's your enemy automatically as opposed to, like I said, even if they did not have the food to spare, they could have been like, you know, we're so sorry, but like we don't really have anything to spare. Like, even though they definitely had food to spare. Like, I just, it was just not a good way of approaching it. Like, his approach was to, like, yell at this man of, like, get away don't talk to us. Yeah, it very much felt like a moral of the story moment. Like, it's a bit of almost a microcosm for what's going on in Sparks. If the two sides hadn't started as adversaries, maybe there wouldn't have ever been so much drama. And, I mean, you and I, as listeners of the podcast, know we live in New York City, which is a big urban area, and there are a lot of homeless people that are frequently asking us for things. And, like, you would never, like, be rude or, like, dismissive to someone who's at panhandling in the subway you just be like sorry i don't have anything and no one attacks you for doing that you know yeah yeah definitely but that's a good segue to go back to sparks because the town leaders are having another meeting about the rising tensions between the emberites and the people of sparks and an extra layer an extra layer of cruel from the leaders that we kind of forgot to mention i think in the last episode is that they're expecting the emberites to go off on their own like in the 6 months it's going to be right at the beginning of winter when they literally won't be able to grow food so already they're expecting them to just go off on their own with like not that much experience anyway but also to send them off literally at the worst time of the year is just like when the people of Ember don't even know what winter is. Like, they don't know what the seasons are, so they wouldn't even know that, which they do eventually figure that out. And so, of course, they're extremely unhappy with that because that's totally terrible and cruel. But, of course, the female leader is the only one to see reason of, like, what they're doing is probably wrong. And the other two male leaders are just... I don't know. They're just... All of their decisions just make no sense to me because it's just like, do they want to start a war? Like, do they want to start a fight? Like, because what they're doing is just completely unfair. Like, it's like, and I just don't know what they expected. Like, that these people were just gonna accept death. Like, it was okay. 
Yeah, the male leaders are really falling into all of the stereotypes of violent and impulsive men because it's constantly whatever her, the female leader, her name is Mary, she's always like, I don't know, maybe we should just like be nice to these people. And the male leaders are like, mm, I think they need to go. And we should mention, so basically the tensions are flaring up, like you said, the people of Sparks are getting much more aggressive in separating out the Emberites. Like, so we get hateful messages daubed up on the, the hotel, the go back to your cave, all over the hotel. Like, stuff like that is... So we, like, have tensions. We should talk about that. Yeah, and like Charles Manson mentioned last week, this is definitely giving us, like, racism and xenophobic vibes of, like, treating these people differently for things that are completely out of their control. like. They didn't choose to live and grow up underground. Like, that's just part of their situation. Just like people who are born of different races, different ethnicities from different countries. Like, they didn't, you don't choose where you're born. So, like, to be discriminating against you for something that is completely out of your control is just absolutely awful. Yeah. And then we get to, like, a pretty aggressive moment when some shiny leaves are left in front of the hotel, which turns out to be poison oak. And it's, you know, regressive form of biological warfare, basically, because all of them get rashes because they have to clear away the poison oak. Yeah, and then, of course, though, when they do find these, it's, like, the leaves, like, with, like, dirt and stuff, basically, they leave, like, in front of the hotel. And, of course, Tick, another, probably the two least favorite characters between him and Torin. Tick is just kind of, like, bossing everyone around, like, to, like, pick everything up, but, like, he's not actually doing any of the work, which is, again, just another red flag because he likes to clearly be, like, in charge and be the person in power, but not actually having to, like, do any of the dirty work. And he's not doing any of the work, and Dune notices that again. Like, Dune has already sort of, I mean, he's inspired by Tick, but he's also, again, noticing that Tick is not really contributing. He's more just kind of saving face. And, but, like, this particular incident ends up really, like, this causes, like, a march into town because of the, um, because of the poison oak. They're like, why would you do this to us? And they're also, like, they feel like they're not getting enough food and they're being asked to work really hard. And they're about to get, and, like, Dune was harassed for cleaning the fountain. Like, it was just a lot so tension and sparks yes lots of tension but let's go ahead and pop back over to maddie and lima bean because once maddie and lima bean leave casper they're kind of on their own and they're gonna end up like hooking up with another like random roamer to keep going back to sparks but maddie says this line which i have here in quotes and she says people didn't make life so they can't destroy it even if we were able to wipe out every bit of life in the world, we can't touch the place life comes from. Whatever made plants and animals and people spring up in the first place will always be there and life will spring up again. Which, this is in response to basically, Lima Bean is like asking her like, what happens if the whole like war, like what if sparks are up into a war? Like, will it be like last time? Like, what happens if all of life is killed? And that's basically a response to this idea of like, since people, since we didn't make living things like living things will always be able to exist which you know i think is a really positive outlook to have especially during such dark times but (laughs) 
have to say I disagree because, for one, when climate change kills this planet, like, there's not going to be anything left for living things to exist anyway. So just because we didn't create life, if there's nowhere for life to exist, life can't be sustained. So that's just my opinion on it. But I understood the, like, positive vibes there. Yeah, it's true. I was like, especially as we're dealing with, I mean, we're obviously dealing with COVID during this. Hopefully COVID is not going to wipe out humanity, but you're absolutely right that like climate change, you know, will, could wipe out humanity eventually. And, you know, once there are no humans, like maybe humankind can start again from primates again one day. But like, it's, yeah, it was much more about the sentiment than the actual reality of it because. Especially like, especially if you're considering nuclear warfare, which we're assuming is like part of the disaster, like what, I don't know, each country that has nuclear weapons can like blow the world up like multiple times over the entire planet. So it doesn't matter if, you know, we can't, we didn't create life, like we can destroy life quite easily. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, but I, this conversation or like also the Lina Maddie conversation during the trip, Lina already is thinking of the doctor's house as home, which I think is pretty important that like she already doesn't think of Ember as home. She's thinking of Sparks as home and where the, her people are, which is obviously going to figure into the end. And while she's on the mission, she and Dune are actually having simultaneous thoughts of missing each other. And they were both, they both wish they were on the mission together. Like, Dune's like, I can't believe she left without me. And Lina's like, oh, if only I had waited and told Dune we could be doing this together. So, you know, we obviously know they're best friends. But, like, there was, like, two chapters where we alternated from Lina to Dune. And they both had had thoughts of, like, missing each other beforehand. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cute. Like, they're in sync, you know. I don't know. They're, what, 12, 13 now? Like, I don't know. I'm hopeful. (laughs) For the next book. And, but finally, Maddie and Lina do end up leaving Casper because he's an utter disaster. He's, like, done, like, numerology on, like, an old, like, folk song. And he's, like, I'm going to be able to find treasure in, like, the city, which Lina sees. And it's, like, completely decrepit. She's, like, it would be a whole reinvention to rebuild it. But so, yeah, like you said, they end up leaving Casper and they get start to hitchhike back to Sparks. Did you just say that you were hoping for the next book for Lima Bean and Dune to like be together romantically? Yes, I indicated that. I was kind of zoning out. I was listening to the radiator was just going off and I was just waiting for it to stop. But, oh, I think that's funny that obviously for me, I'm usually more like I like the romantics and stuff. But maybe it's just because they're so young and I feel like their dynamic hasn't introduced that at all. I'm really enjoying just like their friendship dynamic. Yeah, I'm enjoying their friendship too. So I'm kind of hoping it doesn't turn into that, to be 100% honest. I mean, maybe me hoping for that is not necessarily accurate. But like, I'm saying that they're like, they're very close. And if it went in that direction, I wouldn't be like surprised per se. But I'm also enjoying them being friends. And I really think that, like, that's me really reaching. The fact that they both are, like, thinking of each other as, like, co-agents at the same time. But I just, more than anything, I thought it was sweet that they, like, think of each other. Which they could do as friends. Yeah, I guess because I'm thinking of them as, like, literal children, so I'm, like, not thinking of it like that. 
But okay, I but totally Lyra Blackwell, she's like their age. Who did you just say? Lyra. Yeah. But she grows up. Like, we read it. That, that book takes, like, She grows a up, while. but I just, also because I feel like we haven't really gotten where, like, to me, I, the characters are obviously getting older and, like, growing up. But to me, I, we're not getting a grown-up of, like, how Lyra literally has, like, a sexual awakening. Like, I feel like we're not getting that with these characters. So I just haven't thought of it like that. And, I mean, we'll see. I'm just, I'm enjoying their, also, just this book, maybe I'm not feeling that way because this book, like, they weren't really together the entire book. Like, you said, they got the thoughts of missing each other because they weren't together but we haven't really gotten any dynamic with them fair enough well again that's me reaching just saying that like if it goes that direction i won't be mad about it okay but so when they're with the other roamer lina actually hears different versions of the song that casper is performing numerology on and she realizes that the song is about the emberites which i thought was amazing like i thought that was so clever that the song was about the Emberites, but, like, because it's, you know, been 200 years since they went underground, like, the lyrics have sort of fallen apart. I just thought that was really clever. And I just wanted to so mention So are we that. just, like, accepting that as fact, that, that's, that it really is about them? I mean, I don't know if we're accepting it as fact, but the fact that it works so well is nice. We have no other reason to believe. Yeah, I don't know. That part mean. when that happened, I was just like, that was cute, but, like, I feel like... Like, again, maybe because I'm thinking of her as a little kid, I was like, I think she's kind of reaching, but... I mean, maybe. But I guess it makes sense, because, like, the song was, like, city something. It, like, did make sense that it was city of yeah. ember. Like, remember the like, city. What should be. The city, remember? Come on. Remember the city, the city of ember. It's right there. But we'll see. I don't know. I mean... I just feel like, I guess I, I it would be hard for me to buy just because, to me, it seems like the city of ember would be, like... A secret, so like I just don't know that anybody would know about it, but we haven't really gotten any information on that, so it's definitely possible. Yeah, well, we'll see. But back in Sparks, so we have the counselors; they're meeting again, and the two men decide they're going to kick the Emberites out early. So if it wasn't our, if their terms already weren't, they were already not generous enough. They were already like they thought that they were already being way too nice to these people, so they're going to renege on the deal six months and be like you guys got to leave in three days or whatever it was and they're going to threaten them with the weapon and i was like oh my goodness like when i said i wanted to hear more about the weapon last week i didn't actually want to hear more about the weapon like it escalated so quickly yeah and i wrote for this because i don't know if we've said the like leaders names that much but basically mary is the the woman and there's two men there's ben and wilmer and ben is like the clear like alpha male kind of type that he's like we have to fight them they can't invade our village and wilmer is kind of the one who seems to be out of the three of them more like on the fence about things so it's clear that like he's a swing vote yeah he's the swing vote and so before which i don't think we mentioned this but basically when they met before in the like a meeting before they made the decision that the emberites no longer were going to be eating their lunch with the families the families would just give their food to them and they could just eat wherever they wanted like they were no longer going to let them in, come into like their homes anymore after the whole incident with dune like them thinking dune threw the tomatoes when it was actually torrent so when that happened, you know, Mary was against it because she was like, that's just going to make tensions rise even more. Ben of course is like, we have to do it and Wilmer kind of was on the fence but he decided to side with ben and obviously that didn't go well because it ended up 
causing like the first riot of people like rioting. So then they have this meeting where, you know, Ben is like, we have to force them to leave like in two days. Like they need to leave right now. And Mary's like, there's, she's like, we're going to be sending 400 people to their deaths. Like they've gotten no training. There's no way they'd be able to survive now. Like we, with the six months we already knew, they probably are like unlikely to survive, but at least we'd be doing things in our power to help them. So Wilmer is kind of like on the fence, but yet he still decides to side with Ben, which to me is just like a sign that he's clearly not a good leader because he sided with Ben before and it didn't go well. And yet he continued to make the wrong decision. So just more evidence, you know, that there should really be at least two female leaders because Mary, the only female, is the only one who's actually thinking logically and not like just thinking with aggression and like so anyway, they make their decision and they said that they're going to use their weapon to threaten the Emberites if they don't go along with their decision of forcing them to leave right away. And I would just, I'm assuming that this weapon is some sort of like bomb or gun because it has to be something that obviously if they're able to threaten all of them at once, it has to be something that like isn't just like a stick. Like it has to be something that's going to shoot or drop a bomb. Like I, I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, they definitely do need an odd number of leaders to break ties but you're right that wilmer is not thinking logically and that like he chose ben's path and it didn't solve the problem and again as i said last week like even if you kick the emberites out it's a waste of all the food you've given them already like you've already given them a bunch of food because there's 400 people and they've been there for like a month and a half so if you give it to them now like you just waste the potential of 400 more citizens because that's the only way you can grow. Like they want to become a, a stable, prosperous settlement. Like, yeah, it might be hard to incorporate 400 new mouths, but I'm like more population means more people can be growing food, which means more people can be doing other things. Like, I don't know. It's just so stupid. Like they've basically everything that they poured into the Emberites already is sunk, wasted costs if they just dispose of them now. But again, Clearly, they didn't have economics degrees. They're so stupid. Anyway, and yes, as for the weapon, I agree. It's got to be some sort of advanced tech if they're sure that the weapon will be able to threaten 400 people at once. But I wanted to say, like, I also was like, I bet the weapon is some sort of something from the past, and they're not going to know how to use it because they literally don't have running water in this settlement. Like, if it's a gun or a bomb, what are the odds they know how to operate that, especially since they've said they've never used the weapon before? Yeah, so they probably something that they just found and they just held on to just in case, but they've never actually, like, they've never had to try to figure it out, so they probably don't really know how it works. And even if it still works properly, because it could, it's probably hundreds of years old. Yep, exactly. So Lina gets back, and the Emberites are all stressed because they don't know what to do because they've just been told they're getting kicked out. And during this, I was just thinking, you know, they should try to offer some sort of peace treaty because Dune's father even says... And I agree with him that a war is just going to end in a lot of bloodshed. Like, the only lasting solution would be for them to come to some sort of agreement that both sides can agree to. And we should also note that everyone's least favorite character, Torin, is very excited to watch the war because, as we already know, he's a horrible demon child. Yeah, we haven't mentioned him as much this week, but he's still really annoying. If you didn't read along with us, he's just as insufferable as he was last week. And something that I enjoyed as a reader that I wanted to mention was the fact that Dune and Lina, they're really struggling with this dilemma of how to respond. 
because they, on the one hand, they don't want to fight because they agree that like everyone killing each other, you know, whoever survives is like going to not be in a great situation, but they also don't want to just give up because like they can't just like leave Sparks yet either. And I really just like appreciated that two 12 year olds did not, were not able to solve that problem because I mean, as clever as they are, they're still 12 or 13 at the max. And so I just like appreciated in terms of writing that they weren't like all of a sudden like winning Nobel Peace Prizes, you know, <laughs> they're like, they literally say, we're like, we'll just have to keep thinking about this because we haven't figured out how to do it. And I was like, good on you. I know plenty of adults who can't do that. Myself included sometimes. <laughs> also, I did not realize Lina was gone for 28 days until they said that. I thought she was gone for like 10, but whatever. They, she was gone for 28 days. And, yeah, I would have expected her to be dead, too. (laughs) Yeah, definitely in those times. And then, so because of this, the Emberites, since, like, they really don't know what they're going to do, Tick pretty much gets, they all, like, just end up marching on the town square. Some people are ready, like, with their weapons they brought from the hotel. Some people have their stuff packed ready to go, but everybody wants to be in the town square to, like, know what's going to happen, because obviously, I don't really think anybody wants to leave. They want to be able to stay, but most people, I think they say about half of them are, like, willing to fight, but, like, the other half is, like, undecided and not really sure, because, again, nobody wants to die. Yeah, and they're, like, going to go talk to them and hopefully, like, maybe find a new agreement, but Ben is not open to that, because it turns out, as you were correct, the weapon is a machine gun. And, like you also predicted, it's faulty and ancient. So it sprays bullets everywhere, and then it causes a fire because it explodes because it's, like, a couple hundred years old. And they don't know how to operate it, which, like we said, was 100% foreseeable. Like, particularly, like, guns. I mean, again, they had no way of knowing this in the Village of Sparks. But guns are not, like, flashlights that you can just, like, turn on and off. Like, they're huge piece of machinery especially like a mounted machine gun like like even a handgun there's knockback that like if you are not expecting it like people fall over when they fire a handgun because the knockback of a gun firing one round blows them off and i'm like a machine gun that like sorry it just like blows it's just so like comical to me i mean obviously not comical because there's like bullets flying everywhere but it was comical because i'm like you've never operated this giant machine gun it's mounted into the ground and like of course it's gonna go haywire so anyway it was really stupid of them yes and then during this we find out that Torin had said he was like up in the like big tree next to the town hall and because of the fire this tree ends up getting set on fire which sets the town hall on fire which dune had actually snuck up into the town hall like because some people tried to grab him, so, like, ran up there. So he was, like, kind of a safe distance away, but still could be seeing what was happening. And, you know, this is where, you know, even though some people don't deserve to be saved, Torrin does not deserve to be saved, good for Dune, because he does do the right thing, even when it's very hard, and he ends up helping Torrin get out of the tree, come to the building, and they both, like, escape before it collapses. And, you know... I was definitely like, he should have let Torrin die. But it's good for Dune because it shows he's a good character. And also that's something that hopefully that as I it was happening, I was like, hopefully this is something, you know, that they can put towards ending the fighting because it's like, look, like 
we're on the same side. We're all human. Like, we're all just trying to survive in this post-apocalyptic world. Like, why are we fighting? Yeah. So Duna is the one hero, and of course, Lina is the other, because when everything is burning down, Lina crosses lines, and she goes to help the Sparks people put out the fire. Yes. And to add all to that, and to add to all that chaos... We have Tick, like, yelling at people, calling them traitors, like the Emberites, telling them that they're traitors for helping the Sparks people put out the fire, which makes absolutely no sense, because if the Emberites want to stay in Sparks, the fires need to be put out before the entire town burns down. Otherwise, they're all going to die. So, like, it literally was, like, again, completely illogical to be like, oh, don't put the yeah. fire out. Yeah, he's like screaming, let it burn. And I was like, calm down, Khaleesi. Like, it's, it's, um, it, like, even if you wanted the Village of Sparks to yourself without the Sparks people, I'm like, everything's going to burn to the ground. And also, Ember people are extra afraid of fire because they don't know it. And I'm like, you're just going to let that sh- stuff go, like, completely unregulated? I don't know. He was so dumb. But all of the Emberites, or at least most of them, end up helping the Sparks people. And they do thankfully manage to extinguish the fire. So then we have our Kumbaya happy ending, which it turns out Tick was actually the one writing the hate messages and planting the poison oak. So he actually like attacked his own people to incite a war and gain power. And I just have to say, I did not see that coming when this was revealed in the book. I did not expect that Tick had like done all of that. I didn't either. I thought that was an awesome plot twist. I was like, I was quite impressed because I did not see that coming either. Though I do have to mention that his logic of angry people make the best warriors. I was like, that's really dumb because angry people are not focused. Like they might be passionate, but they're not necessarily effective. Like if they'd actually gone to like a war with the Sparks people. I mean, we saw what happened to the angry Amberites. Like as soon as the fire came along, they changed allegiance pretty quickly because they didn't want to get roasted. You know, like Tick was so dumb. But anyway, yes, I agree. It was a plot twist. I, I appreciated it because we knew something was wrong with Tick, but like I thought it was a good twist. And we really knew there was something wrong. Yeah. And then back to Kumbaya, Dune calls Lina, Lina the Brave. And I was like, oh, I'm going to throw up in my mouth a little bit. But it's okay. <laughs> and the town leaders, importantly, say that everyone is going to be part of the people of Sparks. And everyone gets their jobs. Like, Mrs. Murdo's going to be a healer now. Clary gets to have a garden. Maddie's going to work in the garden. There's a librarian. It's super cute. It was a super cute ending. Yes, and then to finish it off... Casper does return from his journey, and he says that what he did find, he found a bunch of light bulbs. So that's all a sign, I guess. And then right after this happens, because he shows back up the house, he gives the light bulbs to Torin. Dune shows up, and because earlier when Lima Bean came back, she had like a couple things she had picked up when she was with the Romer. One of them was a magnet, and she gave the magnet to Dune. And Dune, remember how he was reading all those, like, textbooks and stuff from the supermarket? In one of the supermarkets, I mean, he was reading about, like, thermodynamics and stuff. He was reading about, like, how to make electricity. And in it, they had science experience, but he didn't have the correct tools, and he said he needed a magnet. So he has it all set up and ready, but he's like, all I need is a light bulb. And, of course, then Torrin's like, I have a light bulb. So they get the light bulb, and 
Dune is actually able to create electricity and they're able to light this light bulb for like a couple minutes. And it was definitely just a very nice image of hope for the ending. And I guess like, this is where I'm saying like, and that's like the end of the book is him lighting up this light bulb. And I guess the like cliffhanger could be like, oh, like maybe they're going to figure out how to do electricity, which maybe like as far as like electricity goes, like to get the right supplies, like maybe they're going to go back to Ember, like because obviously Ember has a whole bunch of light bulbs, I think. Right. So that because I right, they could do that. Or, like, they'll become... Also, I feel like it was hinted that, like, Lima Bean wants to maybe try to become a roamer or something. So, like, maybe it'll be that. Like, I'm just really not sure what the next book is going to be about. But... Yeah. I just feel like it's going to be some sort of exploration. Because the first book, they were in Ember. This book, they're in Spark. So, I feel like they're going to have to, like, go out and, like, either explore another place. Or going to be looking for something specific. Like, they're going on a mission. Because like I said, to me, this just definitely felt like this could have been the end. Like, that could have been it. I agree. I think that Lina's city, or like the dream for a city, is still going to figure in. It might not be the city that Casper went to, but I do think like the idea that they're going to settle a city, maybe, or look for a city. And I also think that maybe more answers on the disaster. Maybe. Like... We might get some more history of the apocalypse and the like, the plan to put the Emberites underground. I'm not sure, Maybe, but yeah. those would be like two things that I think could figure into the next book. But I agree, like this definitely could have been an ending and a satisfying ending. But I'm excited to like because we have no idea what's going to be in the third book now. Yeah, it is kind of like nice to not be like, oh, we know exactly what's coming in the next book. Yeah. Which was kind of like how this book was. Anything else you want to say before we finish? I was just going to say that was kind of how That's this true. book was too as well. Like I feel like at the end of the city of Ember, like we had an, like, I had an idea of, like I said, I guess I said either we're going to get a little bit more of Ember and then like the rest of the people escaping and or we're going to get where they're going to find other humans, which they did, but like we had no idea what that was going to entail. So yeah, I, I am definitely looking forward to it. So I guess we can wrap it up then. Because we'll be starting the third and final book next week, which is called The Diamond of Darkhold. And we're going to be reading chapters 1 through 14. So if you read along, go ahead and read up to there. And, you know, if you have predictions, theories, or questions, you want to discuss it, remember you can always stay in touch with us regarding anything on the Nerd Party website. You just head over to nerdparty.com contact. You select throwback paperback. And that'll send an email to us there. Or you can get in touch with the network at large on twitter at join nerd party <laughs> sorry it just making me laugh guys because we always go through the same lines at the end and you know sometimes we mix it up but whenever i do it asia always laughs at me <laughs> so anyway you can send us an email on the website or you can get in touch with the network at large <laughs> stop it asia, we have to finish the episode um on twitter at join nerd party <laughs> Or Instagram at the Nerd Party or Facebook.com slash the Nerd Party. I don't even know why we're saying our Twitter handles anymore, but mine is technically C E Sheeland and my Instagram handle is at Seashells. Wow, you really struggled with that. I'm gonna make you laugh too. And at Asia Dabunia on Instagram. 
If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. That's how you do it. I hate you. Yes, hit that subscribe. Have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.